Well, obviously it was a strange year in terms of recruiting. Uh, it was just different than anything we've ever encountered. Uh, we've been in a recruiting, recruiting dead period since last March, which means we can't, we can't go off campus to evaluate or see kids and our, our prospects can't come on to campus and see us. So that made it difficult. It's tough to get to mostly because it's tough to get to know kids, probably impossible to get to know kids, especially uh, guys that aren't local. So it's strange in that regard. And with the NCAA <clears throat> giving every player on our current roster a pause in their eligibility, there weren't uh, a ton of opportunities to recruit kids. Uh, there just weren't. Our, our freshman class will be double-sized next year because our current freshmen are freshmen next year as well. Um, I mean, even there weren't a ton of scholarship opportunities. There weren't a ton of walk-on opportunities. You know, talking numbers is boring, so I'm going to stop there. Um, <clears throat> but this will continue through another calendar year. Um, despite all that, I think we did really well with this class. We're bursting at the seams in our program in terms of number of players, and that'll be the case next fall, as I mentioned. So I'm excited to bring this group of kids in. 15 and 19 were, uh, that we're announcing today are from the state of Montana. Uh, 15 out of 19 uh, being from Montana really fires me up. Uh, I think it speaks to the quality of high school football and the coaching that goes on in this state. But I also think it speaks to our commitment to uh, Montana high school kids. Hey, Coach, how are we doing? I'm good, Sean. How about you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. I didn't get to watch. I I didn't get to watch the show. Was it okay? The show was good. The show good. was good. Yeah, no December one because I got COVID. So you know, it is what it is. You're still alive. Still alive. Um, it, you know, we've talked about kind of like the the strategy of trying to bring in uh, like the similar number of a class and then figure out the numbers later, or just bring in like a you know a lot smaller class this year. What did you learn as you tried to figure? that out and uh obviously it's gonna you know play out over a, a lot of the years but like what was that process like for you guys well you know again not, i don't want to be too long-winded because this is kind of a extensive topic maybe um i've talked to a lot of coaches around the country There's a lot of people that don't have a a great two class 18 month plan right now they're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants, which is not necessarily our way. Um, you know, again, our freshman class next year will have probably close to 40 people in it, which is, is too many. It's, you, you, don't, you can't have 40 in one class and then the next year have five or something. It's not healthy for your program. So we're going to do our best to balance those out. You know, our, our seniors next year don't count in our 85 number. But in the by saying that, they also don't go out the door in December, numbers-wise. So there's some, some strategizing that's going to continue to go into this, and we're, we're going to try to balance out our classes as best we can. You said you're fired up about all the, the in-state guys. Um, 
I mean, maybe touch on, um, you know, five from Sentinel, um, kind of unique to have that many guys from, from one school. Um, how, you know, how cool is that? And how excited are you um, about all those uh, state championship Spartans? We've got five from Sentinel, one from Big Sky, six kids from Missoula joining our team. I, mean, there, I can remember years where we had none or a string of years where we had none. So the, the football in town here is good. The coaches in town do a great job. Um, certainly Dane did an amazing job of blending all that together and then beating the heck out of everybody they played um, this fall. So, but there's a reason, I mean, coaches will always tell you there's a reason why we win. First number one reason is we have good players and Sentinel was dominant uh, in, in high school football, in Montana this year, maybe as dominant as I've ever seen. And consequently, uh, we were fortunate enough to get five guys off their team to come join us, which I, is probably, I guess, for you, from your guys' perspective, it's probably the story in this class. If it's not what Daniel Britt did in, uh, in Vegas last year. We'll go to Kyle Hansen next. Hey, Bobby, how's it going? Good, Kyle. How are you? Doing well, thank you. I just, uh, I thought you made kind of an interesting point with how this year's freshmen will be freshmen next year, along with this incoming class. So because of that, are you expecting any more signings or do you guys feel like you're probably kind of ending where you're at right now? Well, we could have, we could have signed a whole bunch more. I mean, every, everybody in the country's got a guy for us, you know, um, whether it's other college coaches or, or, high school coaches that we know we, we, we have a veteran staff. We know people all over the place and we we're full. We specifically our incoming freshman class. We can't take more guys. Um, it, like I said, we can't have 50 dudes in one class and then the other four classes make up the other 60 guys on the team. We can't do that. Or, you know, and we could do you said, it. I don't think ahead, it's smart to do it. <laughs> I'm about to say nothing's impossible, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you and with some of those recruiting challenges, I mean, is that some, was that something always in the back of your mind? I mean, even if you get film on some of these kids who you like, you're kind of thinking, hey, you know, that's just another person to what could be that. I mean, that just I feel like it was just really complicated to probably navigate some of those challenges. Well, there, there's a lot of good players that want in the door here that we don't have. We can't take. And that's that's kind of the nature of being it and and being at Montana at the university of Montana is there, our problem is not getting guys in recruiting. Our problem is making sure that, or the important part is evaluating and getting the right guys because we don't have a hard time signing a class. You, you only have, you have a limited number. You have to sign the right guys. That's, and that's the case every year. So um, like every year, it's probably exacerbated this year and will be again next year. We've told a lot of good players no, simply from a, a math numbers. Uh, you know, heck, we don't have enough lockers for the guys we've got. Kind of my final question too. Sean talked about the six Missoula kids, but I'm kind of curious too about some of these smaller school players. You know, you've got Sloan McPherson who played six man football, a couple class B's, class A, Kellen Dietrich. What do you like about these guys? I mean, you know, especially with Sloan, it just isn't very often these six man kids get a chance to suit up at a school like U of M. Well, it isn't, and we've got uh, we've got one on our roster in in uh, Colton Curry from Belair, but you know they're they're trying to figure out where the other ten guys came from, 
you know, for a couple of years. Uh, but we see guys that are, they're, they're big frame. They, they can run, they're athletic. They all play other sports, which is a great deal. And in terms of the six man guys, um, it's, it's really about how fast they can as, assimilate, figure out it's a, it's a different game. So it's not like they haven't blocked and tackled before, but beyond that, it's, it's different. Now a guy like, like Kellen, you know, we hope he gets the same accolades as their, our last player from Haver. That'd be a hell of a deal for the Grizz. Um, you know, and, and with Sloan, we've had other players. Pat Foster in, in the 80s was a great player here from Savage. Ryder Rice came in here a year ago and contributed for us. So we've got a long, long history of guys in this program from the smaller schools who have excelled. We try to, to mine those schools as best we can, and not all of them work out, but they're great guys to have on our roster, and, and we, we have a, a high regard. I, I'm Kellen Dietrich, to me, I mean, we, we, you got Marianne, he was a different position and all that stuff, but you got a guy like Croy Beerman came out of Harden and Tough Harris out of Coal Strip, and you, we can go down the list, right? Kellen is a guy with a monstrous upside, and we'll see where that goes. That's how that's how we recruit. We project. Cool. Thanks, Bobby. Yep. Long-winded. Sorry. We're going to go now to uh, Culture Nuanez, who's moonlighting as a guy named Tommy. <laughs> We're on my uh, producer's computer trying to save myself some time. Hi, Bobby. Thanks for taking a minute. Chris uh, Harley, Tommy boy. <laughs> First of all, I want to ask you just about kind of the coincidence that it is that there was such a great Missoula team when this is such an atypical year. I mean, do you feel fortunate that there was one of the greatest Missoula teams of the last 50 years in a year where you're not really being able to bring guys to campus? Because most of those guys, they know so much about your program already just from growing up here. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it was 48 years since Sentinel last won a state championship. I don't think Dane's going to wait that long again. So... Um, they were, they were a great team. They put it together. Uh, they played with and for each other and they have, uh, they do some things in their program that are similar to how we do them. Uh, so I think those guys will assimilate into our system, um, more easily than some that aren't familiar with it, but it's always great to have guys locally here in Missoula County that, that can play. I mean, that's, that's exciting. You know, if you can if you can take a guy out of Drummond or the Mission Valley or the uh, the Bitterroot Valley or Missoula County, that, that's awesome, and it, it's fun to have those. And most of those kids, uh, in fact, all of those kids from Sentinel are people who I've known their families for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm dating myself, but thirty or forty years. That leads me right into my next question then. I mean, pretty much all of them are legacy kids, right? Jace Kuswich's dad played for the Grizz. You know, T.J. Roush's mom played for the Lady Grizz. So it, when you talk about finding the right fit, does that help accelerate that process too just because these guys, I mean, they're, Grizz is in their blood? Well, I, I think so, mostly because they've been paying attention. So they know, they know two things, Coulter. They know that the University of Montana is an 
awesome place to go to college and have a great college experience and get a great education. And they know who we are. They've been following Grizzly football since they were young. So all of those guys, I mean, Jace Kalusa, which is uh, uncles were here at the same time as dad, Josh was, which coincides when we were all here. Last question for me. Then you mentioned Daniel Britt, the quarterback out of Vegas. He came on our show and, and what a story. I mean, the kid, he breaks his face. He doesn't get to start. Then he wins the starting job and all of a sudden takes an 0-5 team to a state championship, beating Bishop Gorman along the way. No Nevada team's done that in a long time. He basically told us the story that he kind of got in touch with you guys, and then once you saw him, you're like, wow, we got to give this guy a look. Can you just take us through the process of recruiting a guy like that? Yeah, we were kind of out of the quarterback market. Um, unusually, we actually took a guy early. It's not – I don't like taking guys early. I'm not, I'm not into – early recruiting. I want to go late. If we, if we recruited every guy uh, the last month before signing date, that'd be the way I'd like to do it, but that's not the world that we happen to live in currently. So we had a guy jump ship on us. And so we were back in the quarterback market and we have good, good ties in Vegas, obviously with those high school coaches and Rich Morocco, the coach at Liberty has done a great job building that program over the last, I don't know how long Rich has been there 15, 20 years. And so we started watching Daniel. And so Dan's a guy who, as you mentioned, broke his eye socket in a summer deal. And he couldn't play the first five games. I think it was five. They went 0-5. And then he came back, and the 0-5 team won 10 straight, won the state championship, beat Gorman. I don't think a Nevada team had beaten Gorman in 12 or 15 years, something crazy. So – He's a guy that does a lot of things very well. The thing he does best is win. Uh, up next, uh, Frank. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Frank. Hey, um, since you guys weren't able to have that in-person contact with recruits, how did how did you and your staff go go about? evaluating which players were appropriate to make offers to uh evaluate like who they are just whatever goes into evaluation for you guys of, of what makes someone who should yeah. receive an right. offer from montana gotcha well we have a we have a three-part evaluation <clears throat> one is their football film one is their academic history and one is their character and personality and we put a grade on all of those uh, the transcripts and the test scores in the football film nothing changes and th those are where we start the hard part was the research into who these guys are as people um, their character their determination to be a great player um, you know just kind of who they are as individuals so that that, that was the hard part because you don't get – we couldn't spend time. We did a lot of things like talking to people as you and I are right now on a video conference. But also we only um, we only brought guys in the door who had people around them that we knew very well. So, so how would you evaluate how your staff handled it? What were the biggest challenges along with doing that and – how do, you, how do you think they handled that? Well, I think they handled it great, you know, or else there'd be 
another people, another group of people on that sheet of paper you got in front of you. Um, it's always difficult when you, I mean, it's, you don't, I don't get to know Sean Rainey talking to him on this video screen. So we had to trust um, people that we know's opinion, which is, it's a good way of doing things. Not on the film, on the on the character. And we don't trust anybody. No, nobody's film evaluation gets trusted except uh, our staff. Sean Reedy, you're up next. Yeah, Coach, I imagine uh, with not being able to have in-person stuff, for some maybe schools that don't have a Washington Grizzly Stadium, a Champion Center, and the things that you can, can, can show people, that might be an advantage. So is it? did you guys find maybe it was a little bit tougher when you can't show off some of the amazing things that, that you guys have? Um, yeah, not really, Sean. I mean, it, it would. I think if this were a normal year in terms of number or number of uh, signees and prospects from out of the area or out of state, then maybe, but – all of those guys uh, that we signed are familiar with with what we've got. You know, Ben McGow Ben McGowan's brother Jacob's on our team. He's he he was here when Jacob came on his visit. He's seen it all. You know, the other guys have all they've all seen it. Uh, Jake Olson out of Butte. Um, you guys have been known for, especially you know your first stint here of having you know great tight ends and sending you know some to the league and things like that. Mm -hmm. What do you what do you see from him at that position? Obviously, like a you know, a, a huge kid that seems like he's, uh, you know, has a lot of potential. He does have a lot of potential. You know, Jacob comes from a grizzly family as well. And they're, they're uh, maroon and silver through and through over there. Um, love getting a Butte guy. Just love it. But, uh, you know, six, seven's hard to find. And you guys have seen him. And when you find a six seven guy, and he can run like Jacob can, you you think there's hope there's hope there for a guy to be a great player. And um, if you if you look around, just across football, um, the great players that play on the end of that line of scrimmage are, for the most part, taller guys. Last one for me. Um, I think maybe in a normal class, you're you're worried about maybe more position groups and things like that. But with all the guys and the doubled up freshman class, were you really not as concerned as far as filling certain positions and kind of just go after kind of whoever, you, whoever you wanted? Yeah, I, I would probably um, contradict you just a bit on that. Um, when you're signing a class, if you're doing things right and recruiting year in, year out, as you get your system in place, you're signing freshmen across the board. If you're looking at a, um, particular position to try to upgrade, you're probably looking for a transfer of some sort. Uh, next question is for Frank. Hey, Fabio. Um, what you'd mentioned with the, you know, the extra year of eligibility for the seniors to come back, how, how far into the future do you see that impacting recruiting? Um, well, if we, if the NCAA does it right one year, 
So, so what are the biggest challenges for this coming year then handling the bigger roster size? Well, I'll go back to what I said before. It depends on how many you sign today and then what you have available in next year's recruiting class. If you've got to be back, eventually we're going to have to be back to our number. I don't think they're permanently going to expand um, scholarship numbers. So I'm, I'm assuming in a year's time, we have to be back to our, our scholarship allotment numbers. So you gotta, you gotta have a plan for that. Okay. And for next year, it's still 63 scholarships, but the returning seniors don't count in that 63 number. Yeah. At FCS football, you have, you have, uh, <clears throat> three numbers, 110 on the roster, 85 on scholarship, 63 fulls to a lot. So um, right now, this, the guys that are that were currently on the roster this year that are seniors uh, next year will not count in that 85 and 63 number. Do you have an outlook on how many seniors are expecting to return, or is there a date where you need to have that finalized going forward? Yeah, probably August 10th. And I, I know redshirting red seems to be a, a thing with a lot of true freshmen coming in at this level. Is is there any plans redshirting or can you gray shirt any of these players next year if you're going to have more than 110 players possibly in the program? Well, we, we – uh, that's all TBD. You know, we don't – we don't really know who's going to register until we get them, get them a chance to get on the field against the guys that are competing for playing time, and then we figure it out. If you're the best player you play, it doesn't matter what year you are. If a player is redshirting or grayshirting, do they still count in that 110 number? Say it again now. If a player is redshirting or grayshirting, do they still count in that 110 overall number? Minus the seniors? Do the seniors not count in the 110 for next year? No. Seniors no. don't count. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah, another question from Culture here. There's a lot of math. My head's spinning. Um, Bobby, what was your overall evaluation of just the in-state recruiting class as a whole? It seemed like Montana was pretty darn good this year. I thought, the, like I said earlier, I – I think the football in Montana is good. I think the coaching's good. Um, I think the makeup, both personally and attitudinally, of the kids in Montana is what you're looking for. Uh, and I think it was especially so this year. I mean, you got to recruit guys that can run and jump, right? Yeah, you know, the woods are full of great kids who are tough and have great desire. I mean, you got to be able to run and jump too. And there's a lot of guys that can. You've been around Montana for a long time. The, the system's not that long. <laughs> the, uh, it's so interesting to me to watch the way that the high school football systems have changed though. I mean, it feels like everybody's kind of into the modern era. A lot of teams running the spread and stuff. So how does that impact the development of, of in-state players? Yeah. I mean, there's a great variety of different, like, like all places, all, all pockets in the country, whether it's a state or a region or, Whatever it's like, San Diego back in the early '90s, two thirds of the team ran the wing tee because it's what they did down there, right? So, uh, but what I would say is, and it goes back to my point on the coaching, 
in Montana is that these guys do a good job. It's important to them. Um, small town football in Montana, people pay attention to high school football in Montana. It's not like some other places. Now, some places it's bigger, but it's a big deal here. Friday Night Lights is a big deal here, wherever you are, whether you're in, in Red Lodge or Haver or Billings or Missoula. Um, you know, it's Friday night's a, a big night in these towns. And it's important to these kids and it's important to these coaches. And the one thing, and now it's a long way of getting to your uh, question, but there's so much access these days to um, film and clinics and information on how to, um, it's, it's easier to, to keep up. So to your point, um, I could have said, yeah, it, they are keeping up, but that's why. All right, coach, while we have you here, probably won't be able to get to talk to you again. Do you have a favorite um, Christmas present that you've ever received? Well, yeah, my wife gave me a couple of fly rods over the years. That's been pretty good. You have a favorite Christmas song? Hmm. Silent Night. There we go. Thanks, Coach. Yep. <laughs> Looks like we got one last one from Kyle, too. Yeah, I just wanted to ask Bobby. It's kind of cool today being signing day. It's also the 25th anniversary of that 1995 national championship for the Grizz. We've been kind of digging through some archives here and running through some things. I mean, you know, I guess think about some of those, your memories, I guess what you remember from that and just what that team did for the Grizz program today. I mean, is it just kind of cool that signing day kind of coincides with, you know, that national championship today? Yeah, you reminded me. I'll, I owe Dave Dickinson a call too, so I got to call him back. My phone's been busy. Um, yeah, I was actually I was working at the uh, University of Colorado at the time, and was immersed in my own problems trying to keep that rolling. But I followed, had a lot of good friends on the coaching staff. Um, but the thing that sticks out in my mind most I like my my dad I mean he, my 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 dad traveled to that game it's like my brother I think I don't know if my brother was there or not he was playing so he probably wasn't but my dad and uncles went it was just neat but the thing that sticks out most in my mind was when coach Reed got it going here in the late 80s we had good teams but you know we went to the national semi-final at Georgia Southern got our tails kicked but we it was in the mindset that hey you know we kind of belong here but you know the idea of actually winning it all was foreign you know to, to win the national championship you know we we got a good team maybe we can you know we're going to win the big sky at some point um, we're going to win some playoff games we can do that but I think that broke the glass ceiling on on expectation, uh, both within and, and externally on, we can win the national championship at Montana. So, you know, that was, and it was a huge breakthrough. And ever since then, it's like, that's the goal. 